Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Each episode, we'll bring on some experts, talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Kelly Whalen, a marketing professional and association enthusiast, and I'm so happy you're here. And now let's start the show. Welcome back to the Member Engagement Show. Today, I'm here with my colleague, Kristen Perotti, to talk about HireLogic's 2023 Association Community Benchmark Report, which we published earlier this month. Kristen is the Senior Customer Advisor at HireLogic, um, and she helps associations optimize their membership marketing and engagement strategies, which includes helping them grow their community engagement. She has a lot of really great examples and tips for how organizations can really make the most of their community software to drive member participation in communities and to do it in a way that doesn't suck up a ton of staff time. So I'm really excited to chat with Kristen today about the benchmarks in this report and how you can use them to help inform your community strategies and improve your member engagement. So, uh, Kristen, can you start us off with why associations should review benchmarks and what associations can do with what they learn from this report? Hey, Kelly. Yeah, thanks for for having me. Uh, Benchmarks is such an important part of understanding where you are as a business and to kind of help you gain some better understanding of your member engagement uh, and putting into the context, you know, your community performance and really just the health of what's going on. And then you can like use that to help you set some meaningful goals as well as kind of help you always improve. That's really the biggest thing is what what are we doing today? How can we improve? Where do we stand amongst others? Um, and I do want to say too, you are your own best benchmark too. So having those like personal information and seeing how you're doing month over month, year over year is super, super important. You should always kind of be chasing that and then somewhat comparing it to, you know, what's happening industry at large so that you can understand, hey, how are we doing overall, but not really kind of know that the industry benchmark is maybe three years ahead of where you are with a brand new community. So always take that a little bit with a grain of salt. That makes a lot of sense because I feel like at my former association um, with email benchmarks, for example, we were kind of ahead of where the industry standard was. So we would cross compare ourselves to our former performance and see like, are we able to grow our subscribers while maintaining this really good open and click rate? But on the community side, because we had a newer community, we were below the benchmarks. So we were like trying to reach those benchmarks, but also keeping an eye out for those mission serving touch points to say like, oh, hey, we just had like more submissions to our call for session proposals for the conference because we posted it in the community. So even though we don't have as much activity on the community as we want to have someday, it's still serving this perfect purpose and we're still having these wins. So there were things that we as an organization looked into and tracked against ourselves. So like you said, yeah, I love that like little milestone moments of, hey, we're going, we're going to hopefully get to these benchmarks down the road. But Right now, we are the little engine that could, if you will. Yeah, so using yourself as as your tool always help kind of build you up. And then this just gives you a little bit of more context, really help you build discussions, uh, help you open conversations with your senior staff, 
get those goals together, all of that fun stuff. Yeah, it definitely makes a difference when you have um, reports like this to guide you on conversations with your leadership team. Because I know for us, sometimes, you know, we would say like 15% is a good number. And we'd have to like explain that, like, this is why it's a good number. This is what other organizations are seeing. So it can be useful too, for like, um, kind of backing you up or validating what you Mm -hmm. are seeing in your own metrics when you talk to like your board or your leadership team, and they might not know all the ins and outs of the industry um, standards. So definitely lots of use cases for the metrics from this report. I would love to jump into anything that you found particularly interesting about this report or anything you want to call out for our listeners. Yeah, uh, this one's really fun because it's comparing sort of 2020-ish data to sort of where we are now in 2023. Uh, And that obviously was a huge change in online community, how we interacted back in 2020 and even into early 2021 when everything had to be virtual. Um, So we're definitely seeing, you know, the kind of counter effects of what's happening from post-pandemic timeframes, you know, where, where we are. So we saw, you know, huge engagement in 2020 building up little bit of a drop in 2021 and 2022, sort of that, that leveling out, but now we're starting to see, things come back up. So seeing that there is that need for online engagement, virtual engagement. So yeah, kind of building up that we're back, you know, in a, in a way that makes sense, right? We had the the huge spike because we had to, we had the fatigue. Now it's kind of more of like, okay, this is probably hopefully our status quo. That's really helpful. I feel like seeing that graph and kind of seeing like there's that jump in 2020 and then, you know, you see the tapering off in 2020 and 2021. So if your organization saw that kind of tapering down of engagement on the community, like I I feel like don't feel alarmed because it seems like that was kind of across the board, but that's coming back up. So like you said, Kristen, maybe there was a little fatigue, but there's still this appetite for online engagement from members that they still, even with the return to maybe more in-person events or in-person networking, there's still this appetite for online community opportunities. And that's really awesome because it's kind of been incorporated into the way that we do things. Yeah, for sure. It really helps underscore that uh, member engagement um, needs to kind of really be a strong and consistent place uh, in your uh, community strategies there because it's still it's it's still super super relevant and it hasn't gone away uh, even though we did see sort of some declines but we're we're in it now back in it full heartedly it's really great to see too that associations communities kind of come in such a variety of sizes too so we have some communities here that were uh, as small as twenty community members and others as large as 200,000. And so obviously those communities and associations have very different budget levels uh, for that. But at any budget level, you can really make a difference uh, with your community success and some benefits that are coming from that. Yeah, definitely. I think like what was really interesting to me in looking at the data from the report was like that there's this value you can provide for your members at any size. So you have like If you're a small organization, then chances are you're going to be a really tight-knit community of folks, and you're probably actually going to have really high engagement. That's what I noticed in the data, that like the smaller communities had this like really high engagement because it was a tight-knit group. And then on the larger level, like you're still able to kind of reach those folks, even if you are as large as 200,000, because you're giving them this place to interact and to kind of get involved with their association and with other members with it being kind of a low lift for them to just kind of either, you know, 
log into the community or even just look at their email digest from the community discussion. So I think there's, like you said, there's a place at any budget level, at any um, association size for community to kind of help you serve your mission and provide value to your members. You know, as long as you have that really smart strategies going into your communities to meet those member needs and goals, um, you know, the those budgets don't matter as much, right? You can do more if you've got a larger budget, but you can still do some really, really good work uh, at some of those smaller levels. Yeah, I was just talking to one of our customers, um, the Film Festival Alliance for a, cus- a customer story we were doing. And it's interesting, they only have two staff people. So like seeing all of the things that they've been able to do with two full-time staff people on their community um, is kind of like mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. And I, I we kind of touched about this at the beginning too, but your community too obviously takes time to grow. So there's a lot of uh, really good things in here that kind of compare the engagement of how communities are doing if they've been around for like more than a year, more than five years. Um, and you can definitely see that those more established communities have higher membership engagements just because like they've had more time for the buy-in. They've had more time to try things and, and build that strong community. So, you know, for those just starting out and are comparing yourselves again, I'll just reiterate, you know, give it time. Things start slow build that momentum, we'll, we'll get there uh, as you can. Yeah. And having those like kind of engagement strategies that you're implementing to kind of guide members to the community is great. Um, but like you said, kind of set yourself self realistic goals a long time because you'll probably see you'll have a lot more members engaged after five years with the community than you will after like a month with the yeah. community. <laughs> yeah. And I think it says uh, 207 average community activities per month uh, is what we're seeing in, in, in the various communities based off of this report. So keep in mind, this is a huge, huge strategy for, for us to kind of build that engagement um, beyond just attending uh, webinars, attending, you know, different trainings that you all offer or networking events, et cetera. Like this is a huge way to actually get people to invest in your organization and put money and effort and really get extra value out of what you're already offering. Because like that average 207 community activities per month, and to clarify for our listeners, definitely if you download the report, you can look at these numbers in detail and you can kind of see the definitions of what we're talking about. And we'll have the link to download the report in the show notes for you. But yeah, like seeing that 207 average community activities per month, that's like 200 things that your members are doing that if you didn't have a community, they're not doing that with your association. <laughs> yeah. they're, so if they're, you know, maybe one, just right. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Check the box. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times those activities that includes like starting threads, responding to threads, replying to other uh, members who are asking questions. So they're also like generating content for you in those activities that they're doing. Like they're creating value for the for other members just by the nature of them engaging with the community and by sharing things on the community. So that's also, I find that really cool too. Absolutely. Because you your know, staff doesn't have to generate 200 <laughs> things. Yeah. And like often, especially if it's a really industry specific thing, I worked with a lot of medical associations so I don't know how to do a root canal or how to you know, read an x-ray. And these people are posting so much valuable information that's really helping grow not only everyone in the association, but like think about those residents that are learning from it. Think about people who are going to see a case like that next week when they go into the office. So 
I love seeing the bond that can be created through the community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not like a a community fangirl or anything. Not at all. For <laughs> me. Another stat that I thought was really interesting in the um, report that I was talking about a colleague with the other day is there's like a chart in there that breaks down kind of the percentage of users that log in and contribute versus the total users that an association has. And that number might like feel a little low at first glance because um, the report found that 15% of a community's total users are active and active means that they've like done something in the community within the last 120 days. Um, and then 6% log in on a monthly basis and are doing something. And that 6% at first might feel like, well, that's only 6% of my members. Like, I wish it was more. And certainly we always wish it was more. But you have to remember that that like percentage is different each month. So maybe this month, 6% logged in and did something. And next month, a different 6% log in. So you're hitting... It's not just like, oh, it's only the 6% of my members, mm-hmm. although that is something you can also monitor. I think that's a stat that's worth monitoring, seeing like who's engaging regularly versus who's not. But usually what you're seeing is you're seeing like that 15% that are logging in over 120 days, the next 120 days, that's going to be probably another 15, a, a slightly different 15%. And the 6% that are logging in monthly have to be a slightly different because otherwise you wouldn't have the 15% at 120 days. So like, and not to get all like mathy there for a second, but (laughs) it works a bunch of different like percentages. But I think that's really cool because maybe you do have those champions for your organization who are in there every single month. And that's awesome because those highly engaged people are going to motivate other members to get involved. But it's also okay that you've got some people who don't log in every month, that you've got somebody who's like, oh, this month I have a question and I'm going to jump in the community and I'm going to like browse around. But next month, like I'm really busy because I'm going to like a conference or I have time off or whatever. And those kind of like at every level, those engagements are valuable. So I think that's also why it's important. And I think we talked about this at one point, but like why it's important to look at the email digest open rate. Yeah, for sure. Because there's so much activity from just that consumption level. So, you know, with the way that our system tracks email, you can see how many digests went out um, within a given time frame, and then how many of those were viewed. You know, that, that digest open rate is oftentimes really high. And those are people consuming your content. They're reading through it. So yeah, they might not be logging in to reply, but they are taking it in. They're they're absorbing it. They're using that information. And that is such a huge value driver as well. Because as you mentioned, right, like people's the seasons of their community activity could vary, right? There might be times when they need to be more active in there because they have a lot going on, but then there's maybe times when they've got family stuff happening and they can only check in and do a quick, like, let me just scan, let me just check in. Or they might just log in once a month and just catch up on everything as a whole. Great. Your job, while it seems like we really do want to create and push up more and more active users, right? I get that. But if we can also just recognize as long as I'm meeting them where they are too, that's almost even going to be better and going to create them to come back more and more naturally, organically, because we're allowing them opportunities to engage just via email, engage when they log in, you know, engage in, in, in any way that they want to participate. Yeah, that's definitely really valuable. Um, and I think uh, we 
Unfortunately, we don't have um, email digest rate averages in the report at this time. It's definitely something we want in the future. But that's where kind of Chris and I and I have said for our listeners, that's where it's really important for you to track your own and kind of see, you know, you can track your community engagement, compare it to the benchmarks, but also definitely track that email digest open rate too, because like Kristen was just saying, those are people that are still like consuming the content. They're still checking in with your association. And I've heard, this is anecdotal. I don't have the, I don't have the graph to back it up, but I have heard from several of our customers that their email digest rates have like a 40% open rate, which is like (laughs) immaculate in my opinion. So yeah, definitely like checking into email digest rate is a great point. I want to pick your brain, uh, Kristen, about some other tips for collecting and analyzing associations' own community data and trying to improve their community engagement. So when we've chatted on the occasions that we've just been like brainstorming about things together, (laughs) you've mentioned a few things folks can do to gain a deeper understanding of their community. Um, And I'd love to hear from you about those. One of the things that surprises me so much is how few communities have Google Analytics on them. You know, I think that's pretty much almost every website in the world. I don't know, that's not a real statistic, but like, right, you're probably doing that for your main association website. You're looking at that. You can use that same kind of tracking code, drop it on your community so you can really see that bigger picture of what's going on. Also, like thinking about putting Google like tag links, um, like tracking links within there. So that way, you know, if you're maybe have a call to action to register for an event that that specific one is coming from the community, help get that source out there really helps to, again, increase that, that internal value that you've got going on. We talked about being your own benchmark. um, And so monitoring your, your total posts and your replies per posts on a regular basis, monthly or quarterly potentially both, seeing what those are, understanding, again, the seasonalities of when uh, conversation dies down, right? Like we're in the midst of fall right now where like everyone's back from summer vacation, kids are back in school. So everyone's full force in my communities are very kind of popping off a little bit. But I know that as soon as early to mid-November hits, I'm going to lose them all because we're, we're in Thanksgiving, we're in the holidays, we've lost them till early January. So starting to understand what that natural seasonality is so that you can capitalize on those moments of high organic engagement and have plans to keep engagement going when you know that there's going to be a little bit of a lull. Maybe we do some fun stuff in there to just have some some exciting things in there. Uh, We also talked about, you know, unique contributors a bit before and seeing those unique logins, but also just looking at the unique people who are posting, understanding who they are. Are there different persona groups that you're maybe missing in that? Like, are we not really talking to, let's say, residents as much as we are, you know, your your sort of legacy members, right? So like, who are those groups that are posting? Are there any that we're missing? And what can we do to improve to get that group feeling a little bit more engaged, a little bit more welcome. Those make a lot of sense. Like kind of, I feel like it's that theme of taking a look at what is happening, both in terms of the amount of activity and who is sharing and then examining that and kind of asking yourself, okay, do we have like times that are a lull and what can we do? And, and it just positions you better to decide what you need to be doing in the community to drive that engagement, whether that's like on a slow time driving anyone to come to the community or if it's like oh i'm seeing a lot of like senior members 
engage with these community discussions, but I'm not seeing any new members. Maybe we can start like a conversation that new members might want to join in on or like early career professionals or whatever it may be. So definitely makes a lot of sense to kind of monitor some stuff because it's just going to give you insights. And I love that tip you made about Google Analytics because I don't think... I don't think I had Google Analytics on our community when I was at my, I think <laughs> they probably, probably do now, too. but yeah. 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 And I know, I mean, Google Analytics, they've, they've changed their whole model a bit. So it's a good time to kind of revisit it since you are probably doing new stuff with your Google Analytics uh, on your main site anyways. Other things to look at for just an insight perspective and is, is looking at the search terms. What are people looking for in the community? So that way you can see if, if there are topics that we maybe aren't covering well enough, or maybe it's just a simple navigation change, right? Like maybe if, if events is the first thing that everyone is searching for, maybe let's just make that easier. Let's put it at the top. Let's make a different navigation item. Let's put a feature card up there to like always have the events up there, right? What are we doing there? That can also really, really help you in understanding like these are the hot topics. This is what people are caring about right now. Let's build some initiatives around these topics. Another good thing to consider from that topic standpoint is, is a quick analysis of like, what were the most popular posts in the last six months or a year? Are there any commonalities between them? Or is there certain things that, that stand out that it was about this specific topic or is this type of user? Or if it was just a hot moment in time where it became important. Um, so just seeing what those trends are, kind of just giving it an idea. And then maybe just including one or two similar type posts in your next content calendar to see if you can get uh, uh, some extra engagement uh, from that. Yeah, that seems like really helpful because I feel like sometimes where I get stuck or where I would get stuck would be like, well, what should I post that people will care about? Because like you said, earlier in the episode, I wasn't an expert in the topic that our members were experts in. Like I was an expert in, or <laughs> that's actually very generous to say that I was an expert <laughs> in marketing, but um, I was a marketing person. So like, yes, I listened into a lot of what our members talked about. And I was like very passionate about helping them get resources, but I wasn't a research ethicist. So I would definitely, it was definitely really helpful to look at the conversations that they were already having and say, okay, yeah, there's an appetite for this topic here. Maybe I can now source somebody on staff or one of our board members or something to like make a post in the community about this topic to generate some conversation around it. And having those um, examples or seeing what the trends were happening in the community kind of gave me that starting point to say like, what kind of content should I research at this point to kind of drive more activity, whether it was in the community itself, or maybe it was like, hey, we've seen a bunch of people talking about XYZ things, so we should have a webinar on it, or we should consider it for an upcoming conference. So definitely makes a lot of sense to take a look at those things for sure. Yeah, that cross functional like insights that you can glean from the community to make better programs, or and, you know, events and trainings. That's almost like even bigger than just the engagement pieces, right? Like, it's like, oh, this is what we're actually trying to solve for. I can see what their questions are. I can see where there's gaps are. And now we can create a, something to to help fill that or help educate them more. And to that point too, like then when you have those resources, share them in the community. <laughs> so, what? you know, if you made it's a, it comes full circle, you learn about your members in the community, you make cool stuff for them and then you share it in the community so they can find it and that they can always find it. Yeah. And I think too, with, with that mentality in mind, 
don't be afraid to like try things, right? Like to just yeah. be like, huh, I see that this is coming, coming up. Let me just try a different spin on maybe something we've done in the past. The great thing that I love about community is that it's your chance as an organization to have an individual flair, if you will. So, right, like, so you were probably as a marketing person always having the marketing speak and you were speaking on behalf of the organization. But what's nice about the community is you can be yourself while being uh, a part of that, the organization. So your own personality can can show up, right? Like think about the same way you would if you were like at a meeting, right? With a s- smaller group of people, maybe you go to dinner with a few members. And at first, maybe it's very formal, you're shaking hands, getting to know each other. But then pretty soon, like you're telling stories about your kids, you're telling, you know, you're connecting on your love of whatever crappy reality show is on right now, whatever that case may be. So know that this is an opportunity in your community to have a human voice and and to talk to them like a human and not necessarily like a... Like a brand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Like to not be in the the flux of the words, you still want to have a professional tone, all of that, but it can be a chance to just have a personality shine through. And sometimes those posts are more fun. Like I had a organization who it was a member generated question, but they just asked like what their favorite like airplane was like aircraft. They are again, aerospace organization but they were like what's your favorite aircraft from history and it probably had like 50 or so replies to it of people just kind of connecting on something that's industry related but a little bit more personalized and, yeah, and gave it a gave it a, a different flair than just like oh how do you do the calculations for this like what am i missing uh yeah so just try something new right like add some new automation rules, see if that has an effect, add a feature card to maybe drive people to a a different event or in a new way. I love a community poll. Ribbons and badges can be really fun to uh, thank people for their help. Uh, Maybe creating a new one that's like uh, secretive or something fun. Uh, we talked about digests earlier. One of my favorite things to do is to put an ad in the digest. This can be like a like a just for your community members, sort of like early access, right? So like it benefits them if they read the digest that day because they can get early access to something that you don't promote elsewhere. Like those little things are really fun to try and just kind of use your community um, in ways that maybe you haven't before. And that's where the power of like having a community that's integrated with your marketing platform like really makes a huge difference because you can use like kind of the data you have from your community to drive some of what you share then via email. Like you said, you can tell who's community members and give them early access to something or you can tell who's not been active in the community and maybe have like an ad in your newsletter that says, hey, we haven't seen you in the community in a while. You're missing out on really cool chats. Um, so that's like super fun too, that it kind of gives you that power up on your on your marketing and gives you that ability to like personalize from there, which is really cool. And I love what you said about like having a, a personal voice in your community, because I think one thing that I always thought was really cool is that from a marketing perspective, we had like our one organizational voice and we sent out messages, but on the community, like different staff could like engage in the community. So, you know, I might post something and I'm the marketing person, but then our membership manager might post things and our executive director might post things. And even if like we were helping the senior staff post or something like that, it was still coming from them and it was still the things they were thinking about and it was their voice. So then the members kind of got to 
get to know us more as a beyond just like the organizational name, but like get to know some of the staff and kind of come to expect or look forward to like posts from our executive director. I will say again, like our executive director was always super, super popular. If she would ever share anything, people were like really excited about it. So that was a really nice thing too, that then like her personality could come through on the community as well. To your point about like a fun chat. I remember one of the most popular chats on ours for a while was people sharing their favorite books or it wasn't even favorite books. We were, we served a audience of research ethics professionals. So they would share like books or TV or media that they were like, either got it right, like research ethics, right. Or got it really wrong. So they'd be like, yeah, this new TV show where they act like somebody just had like this crazy experiment done to them. They obviously didn't have like IRB training. And then it was kind of like an inside joke because like, if you don't know what an IRB is, which many people don't, then you don't get the joke, but all of our members got the joke. So it was kind of a fun little inside joke thing for them to be like, oh yeah, we all were watching this, this show recently and we're annoyed that they did it so wrong. (laughs) That is such a great use case of it. You know, I, the aerospace community, I, didn't have like that that resource knowledge obviously behind it but there was a podcast episode where that I listened to that had like a astronaut on and it was sharing so it was just like you know what this is fun I'm just gonna pop it into the community because it was like this is a little bit like out of what you normally discuss but we might as well share it because it is related and I think there's more in there I do think I've had a lot of customers or maybe not a lot but I've had some customers say we're not fun as an organization. And I get that. Like we are not telling you to completely go off brand and post something ridiculously silly, but allow a human element in there, I think is is super important. Just like allow people realize you're talking to people and it's you're not talking to a computer screen. And I I think there's a way to like, I think a lot of associations, of course, and nonprofits to, you know, they might deal with very serious subject matter. So like you said, you wouldn't say for some of those associations or nonprofits, like you're not going to make a joke. Again, using my former association as an example, we're not going to make a joke about, you know, research atrocities, because that's not funny. But it is an opportunity to let the members kind of relate to each other about things that they've experienced. So like, again, you can still stay like professional and you can handle the topic, the subject matter that they deal with on a regular basis seriously, while still giving them that opportunity to kind of say like, oh, this thing that I deal with in my job is like frustrating or kind of funny or kind of silly that I have like this thing that only I know about that I'm always explaining to my friends who don't do this job. Like it it gives them a place to kind of feel connected to other people who understand the work that they do. And I think because of that, like leaving space, not just for the resource sharing and the learning and stuff, but also leaving space or creating space for those moments for members to say like, hey, does anybody else always have this problem with, I don't know, like XYZ program that all of us in this industry use? Like Mm -hmm. if I were on a marketing community, I would probably joke about like the way that Outlook always ruins the code in my emails. So like, (laughs) it's kind of like that opportunity to kind of feel really connected to other people is, I think what associations are all about. And that online community gives you a space to do that when you're not like at one annual conference a year, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to flip a little bit more to a serious side of the fence too. But I think that the 
the content is what's always going to pull people back. So as long as you have good content that is meeting the needs of your membership, we're going to get there. So think about what it is that you have available already. And is there any way that we can maybe make some of that community exclusive content, right? That like maybe we move the repository for XYZ, which has always lived in XYZ. Maybe we move it to the community because you know what? It's going to be easier. It's still under that login area, but it lives there now. Content is is what's going to drive people back in to your community day in, day out. So even if it's not an everyday thing where we're having every thread has like 10 or 15 replies to it, as long as it's worthwhile and it meets the needs of helping your members learn something new, helping them connect with someone else, and helping to kind of allow them an opportunity to help others. I think those are the three main things that really will include, like make your community content sing a lot more um, by giving people opportunities to to learn primarily, but to, to have some human interactions too. And I think it's important, like you said, to leverage like what you already have, because I think sometimes some associations might feel like, oh, I don't know what I can put in there. I don't want to have to like make a bunch of new stuff. But like you said, maybe you already have something that's really awesome. And like, could it be something that you then share in the community? For example, I know at my association, we did this. I've also heard peers talk about doing this at their associations, but like maybe you have you know, if you record your sessions from your conference or you record your webinars or something, maybe you take those recordings and you put them in the community for community members to use. So like, or my association had non-members and members. So we sometimes took things that were, you know, that some someone could purchase, like for example, conference registration, both non-members and members could register for the conference. But then after the conference, we might take some of the session recordings and make them available to members only in the community. So that Mm -hmm. was both driving people to like go in the community to watch that, but also was also driving people to potentially want membership because they were like, oh, well, I'm a non-member, but, uh, and I didn't get to go to the conference, but if I get membership, I can watch like some of these conference Mm -hmm. sessions or I can watch this webinar or what have you. So a lot of times you have stuff that you don't even know, you might not even really be thinking about that you have that you can share in the community or you can repurpose for the community. Like we had some success with a few like little recap posts where we weren't necessarily making the whole webinar that we just did free, but we were doing like a short summary that was then available in the community. And then we were saying like, okay, because you logged in the community, you're able to read this summary. Or if you want to watch the full webinar, here's where you can purchase the recording. So again, you're kind of like not just driving community engagement. You're also like raising awareness of your other resources. You're pointing people to how they can access them. You're demonstrating the value of those resources, like for example, webinars or your conference, because people get a teaser of what they're missing out on if they don't go to the conference or they don't register for the webinar. So it's kind of like, all feeds into itself. Like there's so many different components that kind of support each other as you're kind of using everything at your disposal. Think about it a little bit like a solar system, right? Like you've got all these little pieces of content and maybe this report, like I said, this is almost a great example. Anyways, (laughs) this report that we've built for these community or, you know, engagement benchmarks is a report. It's available for download. We've 
talked about it on our community. We're doing this podcast now. I'm sure there's probably other emails that have gone out about it. I don't know the full scope of what you're doing, but we're building this in. And I think with with organizations, if you aren't thinking about your community within those conversations, you're missing out on a big, a big chunk of it. And not to say like you want every post should be marketing. We definitely don't want that. You need to have the organic content in there to support it. But how can we leverage this in a way that is exciting? Maybe it's an AMA in the community and ask me anything where the events, you know, or, or somebody who's an expert on it uh, helped build the, the research for whatever report you're doing out is sharing some additional insights instead of doing it on the community instead of versus a webinar, or maybe whatever committee helped build this project. Maybe that committee chair is reporting out on it directly. Um, so there's ways to, to really kind of bring everything full circle to use your community to help come up with the idea, <laughs> help promote the idea, help release the idea, right? So those are other ways to engage, but a little bit off topic from what we were originally started with. But uh, there's a lot that you can do that makes everything full circle for us here on the community side. No, I mean, I think that was relevant to a lot of what we've talked about. And I love that you used the, the Association Community Benchmark Report as an example, because that is exactly like, that was exactly our mindset. You know, we've got this big report and obviously we want people to download it, but it can also be used in so many different ways to engage with our own community of association professionals like we're doing right now on the podcast. So like if you're an association that has a podcast and a report, this is a <laughs> blueprint for you. You should probably talk about the report <laughs> on your podcast. Yeah. So it's definitely and I and I love how you framed it too as like thinking of the community as like part of your whole overall strategy. Like again, if you've got conference, if you've got a webinar, if you've got some big thing that your association does, like my association used to do a workload and salary survey. Any of that is stuff that then you can like source ideas from the community you can share on the community, like Kristen said. So that's definitely an awesome part of how to kind of loop community into what you're already doing. We actually did a really nice Hug Connect. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with Hug Connect, if you are a higher ledger customer, uh, happens once a month and uh, we're telling member stories. Uh, but we did one with AAE, um, the American Association of Endodontists, this past month in September 2023, for those of you listening in the future. But they shared sort of how they interact with other departments. And they restarted their community in 2020. And so the there was a lot of the community sort of being it's a silo and of itself at that stage. Um, but as they've gotten more trust, more buy-in, seen that growth, these new opportunities to engage with other departments are are becoming a lot more feasible for them, which they weren't before. And so for those newer to community, this takes time, but always have that in the back of your mind that your end goal shouldn't be that this is a silo and it's its own thing. It needs to kind of have a converse, uh, be at the table for those larger conversations, because otherwise, like, it's just going to be this thing that's not integrated with anything else. And it doesn't feel like it's a part of your organization. It's like a separate entity almost. So build it out, have that be a nice uh, area. And maybe that's a great tip for you all to to take away from for your next goal, next year's goals is, is making sure that you've got the community um, having a voice 
in some of those discussions. Kristen, this has been a super interesting chat and I'm so glad that you came on because I feel like you have some really cool ideas for generating that member engagement on community. And I really appreciate how you kind of framed the the report at the beginning of the episode too for how people can think about how to use it. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me. It was a pleasure, Kelly. Thank you so much. For our listeners, um, there's a lot of resources that I want to point you to from this episode. So obviously, um, we hope that you'll download the 2023 Association Community Benchmark Report. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. So definitely um, check out the statistics and metrics in that report and do kind of a deeper dive. Um, We didn't want to recap all of those stats for you on here because you can uh, read them and check them out yourself. And then additionally, um, Kristen actually authored a blog post recently on our uh, HireLogic blog about um, a checklist of things that community managers can do to kind of ensure their community health. So I encourage folks to check that out as well. We'll include that link in the show notes. Another really great resource is actually one I'm really glad that Kristen brought it up on the episode today. Um, Hug Connect is a really awesome resource for our customers. So any of our customers can join us for those. Is it monthly, Kristen? It's monthly. It's the second Tuesday of every month at 3 p.m. Eastern. Wonderful. Yeah. So um, those are usually an awesome opportunity to hear from other customers like yourself about the things that they're doing and kind of have a little bit of back and forth about ideas that you can use to um, improve your association uh, strategies. So I know that when I was a customer of HireLogic, I used to tune into them and I Uh, They saved me a lot of heartache because I remember we tuned into one um, when we were building our um, automated membership renewal campaign and somebody made a point about if you had like email as the unique identifier that was like very key to us not making a huge mistake. So I credit Hug Connect with like saving my bacon um, in that (laughs) particular situation, but I'm sure there were other situations where it saved me a lot of time of having to come up with something totally from scratch. So it's definitely really cool um, if you can uh, tune into those because it's great to hear from others. It's like what we were talking about, about community. You get this opportunity to connect with other people doing similar work. So it's very awesome. And the last thing I want to call out is that our um, Super Forum 2024 call for speakers is open. Um, so anyone who has ideas for things that they feel like they would share with the association community for like ways to do things kind of like we were just talking about, about hug connect, or maybe you tried a new program this year that you want to share with your peers because it was really successful or it gave you a lot of lessons learned. We encourage you to submit a session proposal. I find that one of my favorite things about going to super forum is that you get to hear from other people doing the same work and and they get to give you ideas for how you might be able to improve your own work. So the deadline for that is Friday, October 13th. And I will include, the show notes are going to be very busy, but I will include the link to that uh, in the show notes as well. So I think that concludes uh, my little speech, I guess, at the end of this episode. Um, Thank you again, Kristen, so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Kelly. And you guys really picked a spooky day to uh, end the Super Forum. Super Forum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully people won't forget it. It's Friday the 13th. So get your session proposals in. In the month of Halloween. <laughs> yes. 